We love film and family, tech and travel. We like our plates full, we'll sleep when we're dead, and we'll spend our last five bucks on the best meal in town. He's the why and the what, and I'm the how and the when. We're a perfect team and a party of three, and we're doing big things trying not to sweat the small stuff. And this is the whole story. August 5th, 2020. In just over a day here at the Radisson Red, I've devised a morning routine where I can slip out of my room well before dawn without waking Frank and have too many cups of coffee while I plan our Eurostar adventure and prep summer work plans for my teaching team. It's a tenuous space, this hotel living. A feeling of being taken care of, no dishes or laundry to do, and a French press coffee placed before me at dawn, and the chaos lurking beneath the surface. The waiter delivering my morning coffee only knows that I'm jet-lagged and need to get some work done while my family sleeps. While Ellis and Peter are completely satisfied using quarantine as a reason to not ever leave this hotel with its unlimited supply of electricity and quality Wi-Fi, these little plants need some oxygen and sunlight. We gotta get out of here for a bit. Again, I don't really know what we're allowed to do or not do, supposed to do or not do, so being American and all, we just do whatever the hell we want until someone tells us we can't. Then we'll figure out a way around it. With only four nights in London before our second attempt at entry, we didn't do much, but what we managed was fun. Airport hotels don't offer much in the way of walkable experiences, but we discovered a small English pub about 10 minutes walk away. Immediately upon leaving the hotel for dinner, New Yorkers that we are, we had that is it safe to be wandering around here feeling? But reaching this pub was like an oasis. A man at the door required that we use hand sanitizer and complete a COVID form. I diligently completed said forms everywhere we went, while Frank, Peter, and Ellis competed to see who could come up with the most ridiculous information for their forms, with Ellis's chosen alias Trundle Wiggins becoming the clear frontrunner. This place was homey. There was delicious barbecued meats and English dishes and beers that tasted better just because your butt was sitting on a picnic bench in the summer sun. We were a bit like a circus attraction as everyone from the host to the waitress to the damn owner of the place was fascinated at these English-speaking people with the strange accents. What are you doing here? Why are you here? How did you get here? Intrigued and fascinated by our determination and sheer will, I'm sure we left the table with them thinking, those people are half crazy. Cabin fever set in by Thursday, mixed up likely with some anxiety about the coming Eurostar trip and the over-under of our probability of getting into Germany along with the unspoken reality of what we were going to do if we got denied again. This is not even a touchable topic of conversation. Suspended disbelief is an essential ingredient in a brazen and half-cocked plan. So, we decided to rent a car for the day and take Ellis and Pete around London. We hopped in a cab to 6th rental car back at the airport. In getting there, going through the always awful process of actually obtaining keys to said rental car, the desk agent asks for Francesco's passport. His passport? She has his driver's license, his international license, and his credit card. But alas, she also needs his passport, and she can't rent us the car until she has it. I can't give her a photo of it that's in my phone, even though she's going to take the actual passport and, guess what, make a copy of it. It's hot out. The boys are sitting outside waiting. Patience levels are low and anxiety levels are high, and even something that's supposed to be fun is now immediately not fun. 
She agrees to give us the rental, but now we have to drive back to the hotel, get the passport, bring the passport back to the rental pickup, have her make a copy of it, and then we can go enjoy a few hours in London. Why didn't we just take a cab? Why didn't we just stay home at the hotel and play video games? Frank drives us into the center of London, in a car with the steering wheel on the wrong side, driving on the wrong side of the road. I tell Ellis and Peter that the last time Frank drove us in London, he nearly killed us trying to get the hang of the whole thing. We went to Box Park for lunch, a huge construction of shipping containers with hipster stores and food stands. Disinfect and fill out the form. Show the form on your phone to a big security guy at the entrance who somehow doesn't question the fact that your name is Trundle Wiggins, and bang, you're in. For the time being, food is our primary coping mechanism, so burgers and barbecue sandwiches and beers, of course, are consumed in the sun, followed by ice cream and walking around to see graffiti. A drive by London Bridge, the London Eye, and Westminster Abbey. The boys are just as happy when it's time to get back to the hotel and play video games, and for me to pack us up for the next stage of our quest. We arrive to London on Tuesday evening, and now it's Friday morning. How to enter Germany during a global pandemic, part two. Our Eurostar tickets would take us from London into France and finally to Brussels. There, we'd switch to a Deutsche Bahn regional train going over the border into Germany, landing us in Cologne. The train was fairly early in the morning. We arrived to the station, dragging baggage and backpacks, race gear and cameras. I had the digital tickets in my phone. I was pretty much the gatekeeper of all travel documentation and plans, and the general rule was follow the leader, don't ask too many questions, and give as little information as possible when someone asks. I'm nervous but organized, I think. After the debacle with my papers in Hamburg, I would have tattooed our travel information to the inside of my eyelids. I scanned the boys through with our barcoded ticket on my phone. I'm next, and through the gate I go. Frank has his barcode on his phone and scans. Bzzzt. Not working. He tries again. Bzzzt. Nothing. You're kidding me, right? A gentleman now comes out of the ticket office to offer his help. We realize that I've scanned Frank's barcode instead of mine, and so now technically he has to use mine to get in, which you're not supposed to do because it's not an airplane, but it's like an airplane and the fact that your passport and ID is connected to your ticket and yada yada. Oh my God, can we just take one single step on this journey without drama? The man looks at our tickets. I apologize profusely for the confusion, and he lets Frank through manually. Wait, he says. Are you Americans? What are you doing here? How did you get here? I laugh. I tell him it's a long story and hightail it through the turnstile. Phew, we're in. Pete and Ellis are waiting patiently and Frank is giving me that OMG, are you fucking kidding me? I love you, but this is nuts face only a spouse can offer. It's a delicate balance of I trust you wholeheartedly and we're in this together, but I'm going to lose my mind with you. And then unexpectedly, like a video game boss, there it is the dreaded passport control booth. Passport control? There isn't supposed to be passport control. It's a land border. Reddit didn't say anything about this. Eurostar FAQs didn't say anything about this. We haven't even left the UK yet. We haven't even gotten to the boarding area yet. Okay, deep breath. The boys are standing awkwardly waiting for Frank and me, letting people go past them in line. There's not really a line and not really that many people, thankfully, so it's just a moment before it's our turn. I've got a stack of passports, a mask to hide my PTSD-strained facial expression. Nothing is going to hide the pit sweat already forming on my t-shirt. I approach the passport control booth, boys and bags behind me, 
and place my passport on the ledge, holding the rest. She takes a look. You are American? Yes. And you live in the UK? Nope. How long are you in the UK? Uh, four or five days now. And what is your business in France? Um, we're not going to France. We'll take the Eurostar to Brussels and switch there to a Deutsche Bahn train to Cologne. Germany is our final destination. She's looking at her computer. She's thumbing through my passport. She's glancing back at me and the group of boys in bags behind me. Back to looking at the computer again. Just a moment, she says. And then she leaves the booth. Fuck. As it has already been established, you do not want them to leave the booth. I look back at Frank for a brief exchange of how screwed do you think we are here? And then to Pete and Ellis, who are thankfully not making eye contact with me. It feels like she's gone for an eternity. I wait. I watch. She's talking to another agent. There are hand gestures. Confusion. She's gone again. It's amazing the feeling of helplessness that ensues when someone in a uniform walks away with your passport. I can see her making her way back to the booth. I'm still standing there, pit sweat and all, attempting to look casual and moderately confident, but not too confident. She steps through her side door. And then, a sound as sweet as a Vegas slot machine hitting the jackpot. Cha-chink! She stamps my passport. May I have the others, please? Fumbling and nearly hyperventilating, I hand them over. It seems, as far as I can tell so far in this adventure, that as long as you're not going to become a country's problem, they have no issue sending you along to the next country. Had our final destination been France, there would have been no way we were getting through this border crossing with the French authorities. But because our train went all the way to Brussels, and our intended destination was Germany, the French were happy enough to interpret the existing muddied rules as, okay, I guess we let them go. Past the passport control booth and into the waiting area. We were getting on this train, and that was awesome. Okay, a few minutes of normalcy. I'm taking a bathroom break. Frank's going to grab a coffee. Anybody want a snack? We get on the train and have seats facing each other around a table. Act calm. Don't draw too much attention. Again, I'm sitting there thinking that I don't even know what I can do or not do or can or should or shouldn't, except to smile and shut the hell up and act like we're supposed to be here. About halfway through the journey, before we reach Brussels, I can see a man making his way through the car. Is this a ticket collector for the train? Border patrol? Some type of COVID police searching this train for brazen, rule-bending Americans? He stops and asks for our passports. Again, with the where are you going, where did you come from, how long are you staying bit. I answer his questions with brief but satisfactory answers. He warns us of pickpockets and people targeting foreigners. He seems less phased by us than I expect, and after a few moments where the time slinky stretched out to full extension, he's gone. The train makes one stop in France, and then a while later, there we are in Brussels. We gather all of our bags and lug ourselves off the train. I scope the platform. Border agents? COVID police? Nothing. We make our way nonchalantly like we are absolutely supposed to be there, and before I know it, we're in the main terminal heading toward a set of double doors to the outside world. Oh my god, we're here. Well, in Belgium, which is pretty damn close to being in Germany. We're inside the EU, on Schengen soil, and we're going to have a bowl of pasta at a shitty train station terrace cafe before getting on our Deutsche Bahn train to Cologne. I know we're not out of the woods yet, but it's kind of a wonderful and amazing feeling that no one seems to give a crap that we're here. After lunch, we get on the Deutsche Bahn train. 
It's a local train and less glamorous than the Eurostar, which for that matter is not that glamorous. I'm watching Google Maps to see the point at which we cross over the German border. I'm scanning the train car for more border police or passport checkers or ticket takers or anything, and I'm pretty prepared to jump out the side of this moving train car and parkour roll myself onto the gravel and into the weeds, making a run for it if I have to. Before I know it, though, we've arrived uneventfully in Cologne. We gather our stuff up again and head out into the German air. Oh my fucking God, we're here. We're in Germany. After a modicum of celebratory high fives and I can't believe we're really here's, we get two Ubers and load up. Ellis and Pete with a few bags and me and Frank with the rest. In half an hour's time, we're in Bonn, pulling up to our home for the next month. It's got a garden and two floors and a sauna in the bathroom. We can walk right into the center of everything and the kitchen is beautiful. But the real gem is a hipster coffee shop directly opposite our front door. Wooden benches line matte black painted window panes, revealing a silver gleam of a high-end espresso machine. Frank drops the bags at the door and heads immediately across the street. He grabs hold of the barnwood door handle and, oh, it's locked. The bearded German sitting casually on the bench, smoking his cigarette and sipping his to-go cup, says in his best broken English, Oh, sorry. Now we are closed. Oh, all right. What time do you open tomorrow, Frank asks, with every intention of being first in line. Oh no, now we are on vacation. It is closed. Yeah, but until when, Frank urges. Like maybe a few weeks, I think? Like a few weeks? Like pretty much our whole stay here in Bonn. Cool, got it. And there it was, a lurking reminder of constantly tempered excitement. Are we lucky to be here or do we deserve to be here? Are we stupid or genius? The Whole Story is a podcast about my family's journey to follow Ellis's singular passion during a global pandemic. The episodes are audio recordings of the journal I've been keeping since the day we left home in 2020. To learn more, follow The Whole Story on Instagram and visit our website, elysium.co. And remember, life is good, life is hard. These two truths are unrelated. You know you but I could never live a day without you